Our scripture lesson for today, chosen for this Independence Day weekend in particular, is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, we're going to read verse 1, and then we'll skip over and pick up with verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. I suppose that this is a good a Sunday as any, a good a weekend as any to talk about freedom. We've seen and heard countless times the words of Emma Lazarus that are engraved on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. Inscribed on another famous statue, the statue of the Minuteman at Springfield, New Jersey, these words, of what avail to plow or sell or land or life if freedom fail? Freedom is a precious gift. Freedom is a grand privilege with whose care we have been entrusted as a nation, as a church, as individuals. Freedom, according to Webster's, is the quality or state of being free, independence, a political right, the dictionary says. According to Janis Joplin, when she sang about me and my Bobby McGee, freedom's just another word for nothing else to lose. To many, an adolescent, freedom is a small plastic photo ID and a set of keys. Freedom represents many things to some Families, freedom is represented by a school bus in the neighborhood early in August. Freedom means different things to different folks. According to our scripture lesson, Paul was writing to the Galatians and reminding them that they were free from having to abide strictly by the Mosaic law for their justification, for their salvation, for, for their wholeness. Their freedom was elsewhere. Yet, as is always the case, regarding freedom and other virtues that we lift up and and hold high, 
there are risks involved. There are hazards with freedom and with being free people in this world. And I want us to think about a few of those this morning for just a few minutes before we celebrate Holy Communion. Paul is all too aware of the hazards of being free. And he lifts up, I believe, at least three of those hazards in this passage. And perhaps as you've read it and as you've heard it, you found other things to, uh, to talk about as well. But let's look at three of these. The first verse of our lesson, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So don't submit again, if I might paraphrase Paul, to a yoke of slavery. Don't look back. Don't move back into that state of enslavement, that bondage that you were living in before. The first potential danger that Paul would lift up then is that freedom might turn out to be more difficult, more of a struggle than slavery or confinement. We've probably all heard stories of folk who were in prison for many years and upon release soon returned to prison because they had trouble coping with freedom and making decisions and making their own choices and needed the structure, needed someone to, to be in charge, someone to tell them what to do every moment of their lives. And it was difficult to, to handle freedom. There are folk in this world who are like that. Paul was writing the folk who had been living under the law, who didn't understand the freedom that, that we do, whose choices had been made for them, and now they were their choices to make, and, and theirs alone. There was a freedom in Christ that he wanted them to know about. One advantage to living under the law completely is that all of our duties and all of our responsibilities are lined out for us. It takes a lot of the pressure off, doesn't it? It takes the burden off our back. Somebody else will tell us what to do and when to do it and where to go and how to go about things. Freedom is hard work sometimes. And some folks decide it's not worth the effort, not worth the effort at all. Freedom may be attractive initially because we think, well, that demands less of us. But that's not the truth, is it? When we have to make choices that impact our lives and the lives of the folks we love and the lives of folk around us and folks we don't even know, when we're free and we make those choices, it can, it can be difficult. Freedom has to be nurtured and protected. And as we are reminded day after day, it has to be defended. You remember the account of the Hebrew children when they were in bondage in Egypt? And finally, after much negotiating by Mr. Moses and movement of the Spirit of God, Pharaoh was ready to, to turn them loose, or he thought he was. Exodus 14, verse 10, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, they were afraid. The Egyptians were marching after them. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord and they cried out to Moses. They were, they were whining and they were afraid. And why have you taken us out of Egypt? Why have you brought us out of here in the wilderness? Weren't there any graves in Egypt? Weren't there cemeteries there? Why couldn't we have died there in a familiar place? Let us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. Let us stay enslaved. They were already seeing in those early moments of their freedom that it would be a difficult task, that all things would not go well all the time. The hazards of freedom caused the Hebrew children to long for that security of the slavery they had known. 
At least there was somewhere to lay their head at night. There was something to eat, if not much and not very good. But they were familiar with all of that. Paul's charge is for us to be strong in our newfound freedom in Christ. Not to want to slip back to the old ways, the easy ways, the ways where somebody else makes the choices and, and controls things for us, but freedom can be hazardous. It can be difficult. It requires constant attention. And if we're not careful, we slip back into our old ways because it's easier. And we always, it seems, are looking for an easy way out. We can't afford to forget Paul's words. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Therefore, don't slip by. Don't look by. Freedom might be difficult at times. But it's a freedom, the desire that God has placed in our hearts. And it's a freedom in Christ that matters. And then the second thing that Paul lists up here is that freedom might endanger our sense of community, our unity, our, our ability to get along with one another. We're free to do what we want, to pursue our selfish desires. And oftentimes that puts us at odds with other folks who have other ideas or other ways of approaching things. But if we're bent on fulfilling our own desires, then there can be great difficulty. Paul wrote, and he was reflecting the teaching of Jesus here for the whole law, he said, is summed up in one phrase. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then that interesting phrase of his, if you bite and devour one another, then you will end up consuming one another. And maybe you've been in situations in your life in different places along the way, in a workplace perhaps, or in, or in school where folks turned on one another, were so bent on their own desires that they consumed one another and it was, it was difficult and painful and you wanted out. That last verse about consuming one another reminded me of the nursery rhyme, and some of you know it and, and know it better than I do. It goes like this. There once were two cats of Kilkenny. Each thought there was one cat too many. So they fought and they fit, they scratched and they bit, till accepting their nails and the tip of their tails, instead of two cats, there weren't any. Careful about using our Freedom to pursue our own desires to the extent that we do harm to one another. The basis of a Christian ethic of freedom is a life of servanthood. And our text is apparently warning us against an overly individualistic interpretation here. Just take care of ourselves. Free to do what you want. The tendency of the flesh, Paul's expression for our, our human desires that Paul writes about in this sense would be the tendency to figure out our own wants, our own needs, our own desires, and move in that direction, regardless of the hurt we might bring others. Freedom can be abused, and freedom can become a cover for a selfish way of life. And that's hazardous. But when we use our freedom in Christ to become servants of one another, when we use our freedom in Christ to uplift one another and encourage one another and support one another, then that's the freedom Paul's talking about. That's the freedom that makes all the difference. James Russell Lowe said, Is true freedom but to break fetters for our own dear sake? And then he says, With leathern hearts, sometimes we forget that we owe humankind a debt 
a true freedom, freedom to share all that we have, freedom to know that we need our chains broken so that the chains of others might be broken and we might live as free people. Edwin Markham's expression, where there are, where there's one slave, there are two. And by divine paradox, brings that about. So in the wonderful reciprocities of being, we can never reach a higher level. We can never ascend until we take other folk with us. We're not free just to do as we please and to do for ourselves. Freedom can be turned inward and it can do us great harm. Our freedom is to turn us outward so that we might have the servant heart of Christ and make a difference in our homes and in the church and in this world that God loved so much. We are free to love and serve others because our example is the Christ who came to love and serve us all. That's the freedom I believe Paul's talking about here. And then one other hazard that I'll, I'll mention just briefly, the freedom some people think gives us license, a permit to put in our wallet and carry around and, and do as we please to live our lives in such a way that we violate the principles and, and the laws that the Mosaic Law, let me say more about that. It's not just a punitive kind of thing, and it's not just a burden. There's a moral imperative to that law that's important for us as we learn to live together and live in this world with, with other folks. Paul asked that question in Romans. You remember the question, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And he said, by no means. We're not free just to do anything we would do just so God's grace might come into our life again. How can we who died to sin still live in it, he asked. We're free in a real sense from the law, the law that had become such a burden and was placed on people to control them, but we are free in Christ and we must not abuse that liberty. Even if we believed in the doctrine that some of our fellow Christians and other traditions believe in, once saved, always saved. Even if we believed in that, and as Wesleyan Christians, we don't, we don't accept that. Even if we believe that, it doesn't mean that because we've had an experience with Christ, and because he set our hearts free, then we can live in any way we want to, and we're covered. I don't believe that's what Paul is saying here. I don't think that's part of this scripture lesson. And the second part of the lesson, Paul talks about that battle between spirit and, and flesh. And if we are led by the spirit in Paul's thoughts, then we are no longer controlled by the flesh. And then in a specific way, he lists all those acts, a long list of things that we need to avoid, that we need to keep out of our lives if we are to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Impurity and idolatry and sorcery and strife and jealousy and anger and on and on he goes with a list. But then he has contrast to that list. That if we live by the Spirit of God, then the fruits of the Spirit are a part of our life. And we begin to practice those things. Like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Those are the characteristics that mark the life of one who is free in Christ. Because that's what the Holy Spirit would pour into our hearts, into our Lives In Paul's thinking, freedom exists where the Spirit of God is, making alive the Spirit of Christ in this world. Freedom for our nation, for the church, for our homes, for us as individuals can be a hazardous and risky business. 
And there are times when we want to turn back. Let somebody else do the hard work. Let somebody else make the decisions. Freedom can be a hazardous thing also if it turns us inward and makes us selfish beings instead of turning us outward toward a broken world that God loves. And freedom can be hazardous if it fools us into believing that anything goes because we're covered and we're free in Christ, and that's not so. Freedom, it's a hazardous thing. It's a risky thing. And the question, I think, for all of us today is, is it worth the risk? Let me do something I don't do often. I want to close with a a cartoon that I clipped a long time ago, well, 15 years ago. B.C., do you remember the comic strip, B.C.? Do you remember that, the the older guy sitting under a tree, and he's got a tablet in his hand and a stylus. I assume it's a stone tablet, and he's chiseling in it. And these are the words that, that he wrote on July the 4th, 2002. Oh, somewhere in this favored land, the sun, S-O-N, is shining bright. And somewhere hearts are heavy and evil reigns with fright. But lift that Mudville banner high and join the team and shout that whom the sun has freed indeed can never get struck out. Freedom is a hazardous thing, but I urge us to embrace it anew this day and all the days of our lives. Amen.